it's not a it's not a brandy bag unfortunately no uh-huh. it's a terrible goofy <laughs> oldie and it's the only record he has and so and it skips after like a minute and a half and so it's just him playing this record and then hopping on with his cheesy like hey, it's mike in the morning and <laughs> and doing like a bit <laughs> Presumably to nobody because he keeps talking about how like no one's out there and the world is gone. <laughs> but he just keeps doing the bit. And it's just so it is both a a funny send up of the of just the world in general and also for, you know, two uh longtime veterans of the radio wars, I gotta say it really hit all the right notes of like the because you know he turns on the mic and he's ah mic in the morning and da, 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 and then he t- puts on the terrible song, turns off the mic and his face just immediately sinks into sadness, <laughs> and then he just sits there while the song plays and comes on again, and it pops up like three times throughout the episode. It is so perfect, and I think you will really appreciate it when you do watch it. Okay, great. Well, there was a lot I appreciated. Um in the episodes that we did see, I, it, this shouldn't be this good. This comeback. No, they're I mean? really funny, like, man. Those guys, they just are really funny. And in almost every sketch, even the ones that weren't my favorites in almost every sketch, like I just see them, you know, I see friggin' Kevin McDonald in a dress and I start to giggle. Yep. I mean, look, they're all very obviously much older, uh, you know, and they lean right into that. Like, they're yep. not, you know, they're not running from that at all. And yet, somehow, like, it still has the exact same sensibility. It's the exact the same. Yes. Same edge. There's all the right fan service in terms of, like, you know, the recurring characters that you'd want to recur or recurring. The, the towel guys there. The Cathy's. <laughs> you know what I mean? The Cathy's. Oh, man. It's so great. I'm sure we're getting Crushing Your Head guy if you haven't seen him already. In fact, I'm pretty sure I've seen some at least some trailer oh, stuff. Oh, I have not seen him already, but I'm sure we're going to get him, yes. You know, I don't know. I hope I hope the Daves I know comes back at some point or Daves, uh, I know, yes. the Helens that agree. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, that's I, the thing about the kids in the hall. Like, they have – it's weird stuff, right? Like, and, and there are some misses because of how weird it is, and your mileage may vary because of how weird it is. And some of it's very, like, just uncomfortable <laughs> – Deliberately uncomfortable, either. Looking at you with full frontal nudity in yes, yes. They just come right (laughs) at you with naked old men, and 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 it's you know the whole. I I guess it is what it is, but it has not. It's it's as if Pedro Martinez signed with the Red Sox, stepped on the mound, and was just the, the same old Pedro. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, your you love... TV commercial with the Ghostbusters and the uh, old-timey baseball player? No, old-timey, it sounds... The 90s baseball players? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like if those guys ripped off their Ghostbusters uniforms and started playing and were just looked exactly the same. Exactly the same, yeah. And, and you know, like, how much you loved Pedro Martinez the first time uh, may vary, depending on a lot of factors, but, like... I just don't think you can deny that these are guys who are incredibly good at what they do, and after whatever it is, 25 years or something, more, I think, 30 maybe, pop back in, just performing at the exact same level in the exact same way, but with sort of a fresh look at the world, and and I just, I really loved it. I really, I loved it more than I thought I was going to. 
Yeah, no, it's a, it's a pleasant like I wasn't it wasn't like my expectations were low or anything, no. but it was a, it's still a pleasant surprise. If yeah, that makes sense. yeah, I totally agree. I'm glad we're on the same page about this. I was a little worried you'd be like, you know what, I've seen this before or something like that. Nope. But nope. yeah, Very, I, and I haven't heard anyone I know who's seen it. I haven't heard him say a bad thing about it. So yeah, yeah. So if you, I, I mean, it's as simple as if you had any affection for Kids in the Hall in the '90s, you're gonna love this. Yep, I would say that's. Uh, Right. Yeah. If you liked the show before, you will definitely like it. And if you've never seen the show, I would still recommend checking it out. You won't like it's it's if you've never seen it, you know, the absurdity might take a second to get used to, but you won't be lost. No, 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 no. Nothing is like totally self-referential. And and I, I would say this, too. That awkward style that they I don't want to say pioneered because I'm sure people do. I mean, Andy Kaufman was probably the originator king of awkwardness, but the the specific sort of awkward, uh, bizarre comedy that they go for is a little less out of left field in 2022 than it was in 1992. So yeah. I, I actually think it's probably capable of of succeeding with a wider audience now than then just because people are a little more accustomed to this sort of level of insanity. Yeah, and maybe they know a lot of these guys from other things. You know, obviously Dave Foley's been doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, but I mean like a world that loves Tim Robinson, you know what I mean? Which is even too weird for me. It seems like there's a lot more space for the kids in the hall, which might have to do with part of why they did this. But gosh, it really, it hit all the buttons for me. Still trying to figure out why the world loves Tim Robinson. (laughs) yeah <laughs> one day maybe one day i'll get it I don't yeah know. yeah but i mean like that and the how-to with john wilson like these shows that are really just exceedingly bizarre and awkward have had great success so maybe maybe that's a good sign for the broad appeal of kids in the hall great success uh one more thing that the theme song still slaps man and oh, they brought man. shadowy Ben on the shadowy planet for the uh, for the intro which is awesome the whole the way they updated the intro i think is sort of emblematic of the way the show is right like it's the same old song and it still jams but it's a, it's slightly updated and it's not young men in the intro it's old men <laughs> yep yep it's just yeah oh man um all right speaking of old men um let's talk about the the uh first half of the finale season hmm. of uh better call Saul. Um, which was a doozy. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I, I, I do think that I, I pegged this half of a season a little incorrectly in when? that uh, I, I would say well, maybe the last time we talked about it. Okay. There were a couple of episodes in the middle, like the Nacho episode mm. and, and the episode following that I think were uh, much closer to what you think of as classic Breaking Bad, right? With like characters doing incredible, amazing things and, and these intricate plots and right. big explosions and people dying and, yes. and, you know, all that stuff. And I sort of thought that, okay, we had hit the end game and this thing was going to be hurtling forward like a freight train through the rest of, you know, to, uh-huh. to however we get to Saul, right. Uh, or to, I uh, maybe to however we get to Nebraska ultimately. Right. Cause we, that's still the 
kind of untapped part of the show that's left really right like the post breaking bad life of Saul um well like how do we get to a Cinnabon right I mean right that's what I mean yeah and I thought we were going to be hurtling towards that and I don't really think that that has happened you know what I mean I don't know exactly what you mean like that I don't I think that there was some throat clearing type of episodes like the the last few have been a little slower a, a little bit more measured a little bit more character stuff I think um yeah so I mean I think what I think I had a similar reaction in a different way um but I would say a couple of things first of all I think with respect to what you're saying uh, the what you leave out of, uh, or or what you know we leave out by by saying you know we're headed to Cinnabon effectively, and we that's where we're that's the destination, right? Is like at this point, I think it's fair to say, you know, Kim is nearly as main a character as Jimmy in this show, yeah, yeah, and her destination is unknown. And I think some of the character throat clearing stuff you're talking about, <clears throat> uh, irony unintended, is coloring that in. It's like the beginning, it's the abstract beginnings of the painting that is Kim's eventual destination. Because, like, she's still, to me, right on the edge in terms of does she crash? Does she, you know, thrive somehow? Does she die? Like, it's a real toss-up for for our friend Kim right now. Yeah, I don't don't see thriving for Kim as a possibility. No, that's definitely the – it's like a a 45-45-10 situation here. (laughs) Kim, Kim either dies or escapes with her life somewhere, you know what I mean, where we're not going right. to see her. Like, I, exactly. I think the chances that Kim is in Nebraska, you know what I mean, are low to me, <laughs> if, that, if that makes sense. Even though, right, isn't that where she's from? You know, that's interesting. I had uh, never, for whatever reason, considered that she was with him. But I guess there's nothing to say she wasn't with him throughout Breaking Bad. She just would might have not been involved with Walter White. That seems unrealistic. Uh, yeah, that seems unrealistic. Yeah, like she would have had to have disappeared for a time and they reconnected or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that would feel. I don't know. I. I it's, well, but this know, is the it, point, it, right? The, I, signs, I, the fate of her and Lalo are kind of pointed in the same direction, aren't they? I would agree. And so let, this is where yeah. I feel like my reaction was similar but different. Is I didn't I thought about it maybe from the other end of of like I am starting to just as I, look this show has been spectacular this season this half season was great uh thumbs yeah, up I I, I want to stress that I don't mind that Correct. we get, took some time to luxuriate in this world because I love this world it's four and a half out of five stars yeah okay are, but are the masterful. half star the half star for me is there's so so much to do, so little time. And if we're talking about five or six more episodes of this thing, which I don't even know if we're going to get that, 
I'm a little I afraid there's going to be some pretty big yada yadas on the way to Cinnabon. Oh, really? I I don't really have that fear. Okay. Um, because I think you know, I, I think the end game part. Uh, per Wikipedia, you're right. There are only six episodes left. Um, per you, like, I just think that they have. You know what I mean? This show. You know, we know from Breaking Bad, right? That they know how to stick a landing, and right. they know they they know wherever this is ultimately going. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, well, I guess maybe this is what. Uh, let me let me rephrase. I'm not that worried, because again, it's been great. Um, I I am worried for my own emotional experience, because just like the deaths, and I'm going to be spoilery for what has happened now, just like the deaths of Nacho and Howard, although they were largely foreseeable, they still felt like they came on extremely quickly and they hit me hard. Yeah. Did it bother you that um, Howard's death is eerily similar to the cartel lawyer in Ozark. Right. And that was the end of that season's final half. You know, the first half of that season of that show's final season as well. It's the exact same end, really, if you think about it. Was that the end of the. F- oh, wait, no, you know, that might've been the end of the next to uh, the penultimate season. Yeah. I think was that's what it was. Enter, right. It was, I think it was a season finale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't make that connection, but extremely similar, though, right? If you're thinking about it, in a way, I mean, similar method in that it was a sudden and mo- at least moderately surprising, uh, you know, close range gunshot to the side of the head, right? Right, yeah, the same jump scare. I think the only difference, right, is that in Ozark, you're sort of made to believe that that gun is about to be pointed at the birds, right? Whereas in this one, it just sort of appears, if that makes sense. Well, but I would oh. say you you are – no, he you, they show him slowly sort of taking it out, right? And I feel like you're, he could you just as easily – you don't ever think that uh, – I thought he could just you, as easily point it at them. He's upset, clearly. I yeah, I wasn't worried that he was going to shoot them. Well, I mean, neither was I because of where we are. But right. that well, doesn't – Well, and also, obviously, he, obviously, he, you know, we you, – we know we know what happens to Saul, right? So it's not like you know. Yeah, um, that's the thing. Um, he could have pointed it at Kim, though. You know what I mean? So he could, right? And we also sorty already sort of know what happens to Lalo. You know what I mean, right? Like, well, the track, the everything's been laid out. You know what I mean? Yeah. The Chekhov's gun has been laid out for for Lalo. So, Correct. Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see if like if that's a thing that happens in episode eight. You know what I mean? And then they're on to this, or if it's that's a thing that happens in episode thirteen, because it could be either, you know. Yeah, I or anywhere lean, in the middle. Frankly. I would lean eight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 I would, I would say that like a conflict with Lalo has arrived and will be resolved in the next episode or two. But we'll see, because again, there's just so much. I mean, although you're right, we still have to see Lalo's end play out. Although we know. Saul becomes the lawyer for a 
drug dealer by the name of Walter White, we still have to see sort of... I mean, I assume there's going to be some kind of, like, jump cut from him meeting Walter White for the first time forward to the end of Walter White, right? Like, and then we got to see what happens at, uh, uh, see, that's, that's what I am. I am, I am worried that at the end of this, I will not have satisfaction with regards to what happened after Breaking Bad. You will have satisfaction, sir. <laughs> These are, I just, I there's no, there's no, there's no team of television writers I trust. You're absolutely right, and I'm, I am being, I am being overly anxious about it. But uh, here we are. Um, I feel like maybe we need to watch the American Greed with James McGill. I did. Oh, you did. You already watched it. All right, so I guess I just need to watch it. Unless there's a new one. This is the, no, no, no. It came out like before the season. It's not yeah, long, yeah. man. It's like 15 minutes. It's not a full thing. All right, I got to find this. Um, all right, it just I, popped up on my DVR. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. Maybe it's on my DVR somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I am so happy with this show. So happy. <laughs> and I, I, it's a gift, and I'm going to treasure the last six episodes. And Yeah, man, uh, it's crazy. It's almost over, but it has been so good overall and specifically this season. Um, shout, shout out to, by the way, I want to shout out to Patrick Fabian, who I don't think we've really talked about at all through the course of this show. But, like, I thought really, like, brought some interesting notes to Howard over the last few episodes. I mean, some of that obviously is in the the writing and building some more of the kind of exterior life of this character. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, but he is, he, he constructed a very specific character, you know, and, um, it's a great one. Yeah. He, and Howard was really not a bad guy. Like he wasn't, you know, it was not perfect. He was trying. Yeah. But, like, he wasn't really even a dick. You know what I mean? Like, it was just kind of, yeah, he was just a guy trying to make his way through the world and sort of uh, prioritized his work and was very successful at it, you know? Yep. Um, Uh, From from whence do you feel like you know Patrick Fabian? uh, From Saved by the Bell, the uh, college years. Wasn't he in that? Really? He was. Yeah. Yes. But I don't think I watched that enough to remember him. Oh, I watched every or episode. I was Same just so young. Episode. I mean, <laughs> I was 12, so I don't really remember it. Um, <laughs> but for me, he's the professor from Veronica Mars, the college professor. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, he was a professor at Saved by the Bell College years as well. He was indeed, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that he eventually hooked up with Tiffany Amber Thiessen on that show. Huh. If I'm remembering that correctly. Back in 1994, just to give you an idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Saved by the Bell, the college years. Yeah. I was not yet in college uh, or even in high school. Okay. So we have one last thing before we get to the challenge in Top Chef. Conversations with friends. <laughs> I, I wanna... <laughs> now I want to hear your take. 
<laughs> I want to hear your take. I, I'll do I'm, my take. I, I, I'm pretty, I have a pretty, I feel like I know what I want to say. Uh, okay. I, I'm just struggling to say it in exactly the right way. I, I feel like this is just a more uh, uneducated by experience version of the take I had on the other show uh, from Lenny Abramson that we watched and quite enjoyed uh, called Ordinary People, I believe. Normal People. Normal people, right. I think I made that mistake last week. Uh, Okay, so normal people. Did you finish normal people? Oh, yeah. Okay. I I did not. I did not. We both really liked it. You finished it. I did not. I, again, using my experience as 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 a teacher, I believe we will have the same experience with this show. We we are both going to have good things to say about it. You are going to finish it, and I am not. And that may, more than anything, be an expression of having children. Um, but it's also an expression... How many have you watched so far? Two. Okay, so we're in the same place. This is a 30-minute drama, 30-minute TV drama, uh, with really intense... Uh, and yet subtle, but very good acting performances. And it is about people who feel incredibly real and well-illustrated, I think. Despite them being sort of oddball artists. And they have interesting conversations about life and stuff. And love is in the air, if you will. All the all yeah, those and, all I, those. I, sorry, I'm almost done. All those pieces are enjoyable and super well executed. And I was watching the uh, first episode, and. At a certain point, I, I uh, while while enjoying it, at a certain point, I was like, "Man, we got to be right at the end because that's a long thirty minutes." And I was like, nineteen minutes into it, it is the longest thirty-minute television show I've ever watched in my entire life. Wow! Uh, I just everything is good, but it's just it's. To me, it, it is so slow and I don't know. It's like there's a languidness to it that is – it makes it feel interminable to me. All right. So I think we have figured out <laughs> why I finish these things and you don't. <laughs> uh, I'm here for the languidness. I don't disagree with anything that you've said to sort of describe these things and and – I don't know. I feel like it's Sally Rooney, I believe, is the author who wrote the books upon both which both of these shows are based. Um, and I, I feel like maybe it's something that comes down to her and the way that she has conceived of characters or I don't know. But I feel like, well, have, you've seen Lenny Abramson's movies, titles, right? Uh, have I? I don't know. Uh, Room, the. Oh, OK, I've definitely seen Room. What about Frank? I believe it's called where uh, it's Fastbender wears a gigantic helmet 
face the whole movie, and he's the I lead don't singer think I've seen that of one. a band. It's fascinating. But he that I think it's as much the director as as the author, and and I think you know, uh, sort of in his in his particular way, he has adapted these books in a very bookish way, which I think is honestly an incredible achievement. And he, and and I think he's done it with both of these shows where. You know, the thing about adapting a book, right, is you can't provide all of the exposition. Um, especially great books have incredible exposition, you know? And, like, a lot less has to be said in the dialogue because you can write about the, the feelings that are happening and all that stuff. And I think Lenny Abramson has an incredible knack for conveying the subtext in those quiet moments from whatever that written word is. And I would imagine these books, having never looked at them, I would imagine they are deep on emotional description. And I feel like so much of that depth comes across in the performances and the direction of these shows. And I think that's incredible. And I, and it, it's not even that I find it hard to watch. I find it enjoyable, but I find that it feels like it's taking forever, and somehow in my head that, I think, creates a little bit of a mental block towards actually selecting the show and putting it on to watch it. Interesting. Now, I to me, like, the, the titles of these shows I think are very fitting for, how like, normal people, conversations with friends, <laughs> like, for sort of just sort of the naturalistic, like you said, languid vibe of the show. Yeah. And I think the difference is, is that I like now normal people eventually goes to some dark places that you don't necessarily see coming in the beginning. Huh. Um, oh, I, I guess you don't know that. actually. <laughs> Correct. I do not. <laughs> yeah, there's. Uh, did you did you see any of the BDSM stuff in normal mm, people? I don't believe I did. No. OK. All right. Um But like this one in particular, and I think even that one, too, where it's I feel like. I would like to be the peripheral friend, you know what I mean? <laughs> Who like is maybe not important to the uh, the action necessarily in propelling the story, but it's it's just hanging out with these people and and, right. and listening to these conversations and going, isn't this interesting? Um, because I do find it interesting, and I I was not uh, was not looking at the clock. I was uh, enjoying just sort of these people figuring each other out. Um. And, and I found that happening at quite an interesting and rapid pace. You know what I mean? As these sort of relationships are are uh, developing, yeah. I think uh, the main actors are all really compelling. Um, yeah, and honestly, I agree with basically all of that. And it's not like I was staring at the clock the whole time. I, I only bring that anecdote up to make the point that, like, it is what it is not is an easy show. Yeah. <laughs> Like, this is, this feels, this is, perhaps this is weird. We'll see if it makes sense to you. Um, I feel like this is very clearly, like, material as opposed to, and I mean that as a noun, as opposed to entertainment. It's like material to digest and consume in the way that a, uh, you know, 
the l'étranger by Al- Albert Camus might be. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, see, I feel like it's more like We Own the City. You know, you know what I mean? Where in hmm. just in terms of of it being material, you know what I mean? Like, sure. That it's not, you know, you're not drinking it down like a smoothie. You know what I mean? Like you got. Oh well, okay, but that comes from someone who loves the stranger. Uh, I I don't I did not mean that as an insult in in any way, um, but it just it it's it feels like a task as opposed to like a. It, you know, if 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 New Girl is entertainment, this is like a thing to do, not necessarily a bad yeah. thing or homework in in the negative sense, but like it's an activity. <laughs> I would say it's not the show you want to put in be- on in bed at you know at night. As yeah, it's going- material to be engaged <laughs> with and to consume in an active way. It is. It is that. That that's for sure. Um. And, you know, no, look, obviously it's tough. Like I say, I'm going to finish this, but like there's a pretty big pile of shows that I'm trying sure to watch is. what a week of right now. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? so, and you just told um, me you're not caught up on Atlanta, which is uh, right. finished with its penultimate intense. season. I, you know, I've seen probably six or seven, you know, but like I don't get to that every week. So yep. uh, you need to. Um, so, uh, well, you know. We, we can get into this maybe a little bit, uh, you know, in a future episode, but I have not entirely loved this season so much. So. Huh. Um, I will, I'll say this, having finished the season, and I, I imagine this will be germane to your feelings about it. Um, I loved this season, but I think I would have loved more to see more of my favorite characters, which is all of the main characters. <laughs> yeah, you can just say yeah. More episodes with the characters would be a succinct way to say it. I just don't. I just think generally, uh, Europe did not do the show favors. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know. I didn't. That didn't bother me so much. It could have been anywhere. Uh, it, I think the point in many ways was to take it to sort of a fantasy land. Um, but yeah. but just more episodes with the shows not called fantasy land though. You know what I mean? It's not. And I, I think you're like if if this show was called Chicago and it was in Europe, I would probably no, be annoyed. I, <laughs> yeah, but I, I, and it's not just that it's, you know it's my hometown or whatever. I think Atlanta was an essential character of the show for the for two seasons. The, all, yeah, for for what we've seen so far, uh, and it's basically been completely removed. Um, at least in the episodes that I have seen to this point. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think you should watch a few more episodes, but also it's a valid point. So, uh, and I, I don't know, maybe like maybe the one with the uh, with the white guy with uh, reparations. Yeah, maybe that was in Atlanta. Uh, I would think I think it, it was probably. In Georgia, wasn't it? It, 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 it certainly could have been Atlanta. I think um, it felt like sort of generic white place. Uh, so it could have been a suburb or something. Anyway, did, that's neither here nor there. You should watch Atlanta. It's good. Yeah, it's still good. I'm not saying it's not good, but uh, let's talk I, about the challenge. Two seasons. All right, let's get to the challenge. Uh, challenge still good. <laughs> um, you know when when they were when they were kind of setting up the men's elimination this week. And, you know, throwing out all of the heavyweight fight metaphors anyone could get their hands on. Yeah. I thought it was a hype a little bit. 
Um, and I think that it could the eliminations have completely lived up to all of that hype. Why did if you not, think maybe... it was hype though? I mean, not like are these not two of the greatest competitors we've ever had? Yeah, it's not that the things that they were saying were untrue. Mm-hmm. I just think that they were. You could see the flops one on everybody selling it to you. You know what okay. I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. And I guess I guess that's true, but also I can imagine that in that house at that time, it felt big. Now, I will say, virtually every men's elimination here on out is going to feel that way yeah. because that's the level of former champion that they've brought in. But I can't um, say virtually everyone is going to be this good. No. The actual eliminations may not ever be this good. It was surprising. It was absurdly competitive. Someone got carried off in an ambulance. It's pretty much everything you want out of a challenge elimination. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was, you know, that was... And to be clear, carried off in an ambulance and he's going to be fine. <laughs> he's going to be fine. But yeah. one of the, I feel like one of the scarier injuries... Um that we've seen on the challenge. And I, you know, like you don't typically see eliminations end and everyone go, I, I can't celebrate. We got to go see what's going on over here. And that yes. seemed to be the vibe of everybody in the room. Cause Darrell was just on the ground going, my legs, my legs. And, um, and at that point I didn't know what was wrong with his legs. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when he, Popped out of that thing and just went shit and fell to the ground like he like he was shot. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, like, I I, oh. I mean, have you ever had the experience of just like going too hard for too long and having some part of your body shut down? Um, I have had. You know, I'm 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 not good enough at endurance sports. I think to, to get to the place that those guys got to. Oh, you I've don't. Really, I've had some really tough workouts where at the end I'm just like I'm spent. I felt completely spent, but I don't know that I've physically had a body part just give out. If that makes sense, you know what I mean. I have. Have you ever? Have you ever thrown up? Got like from working out? Thrown up, and I've I have run so far that my foot fell asleep. Yeah. Okay, so you have you have you have a, a general sense, but I've had, I've had like my legs cease to work before, and it's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, I've not had that happen. That's um, it's scary. It's, <laughs> it's it's nothing ultimately, but it's terrifying. And I think he just had his muscles seized up in the same position and locked and pushing, and you know trying not to give an inch. He was so close to winning that elimination. But yeah. Jordan is – we've seen this before. Jordan is – is he? you know, one of the – I find uh, the whole I'm just built different to be one of the most annoying things in the world. But in, in this case, it is entirely appropriate. Jordan is built different than almost any challenger we've ever seen besides perhaps CT. Like – his competitiveness is a psychotic level character trait. Yeah. And I don't know if the uh, trash talking and mind games that he started doing towards the end of that had any real effect or not, but I can tell you it was great television. Well, it was great television. And I look, I don't think specifically 
he like got to Darrell or got in Darrell's head with the words that he said. But I do think the fact that this little bastard had the energy to jabber while Darrell's body was failing him, I think that probably had a psychological effect, right? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Because if you're, re- if you're oh. like, I don't know if my body's going to hold out, and this MFer's over here being like, come on, Darrell, what, you're right near the end, and I'm just, you know, it's just like talking and talking and talking and, and like, and kind of like moving around and like, you know, I'm never going to quit and I'm bouncing off the walls and like, I, I think, I think that does contribute to being like, I, I'm not going to make it. I got to get out of here before I die. I'll tell you, Darrell earlier in the episode saying that he wanted Jordan because he thought he had no chance to beat Jordan in the final. That was those words really stayed with me coming out of his mouth. You know what I mean? Well, and you know what? Here's the thing. Darrell saying, I have no chance. This is this is what everyone recognizes, right? Is the the pretty much the only thing that you can count on being part of the final is endurance. Yeah. And I think what were the consensus in the house and and probably now among fans as well is that when it comes specifically to endurance the categories of competitor are jordan and everyone else and they're very very different categories like the difference between the kenyans at the chicago marathon and my my buddy who decided to train this year. <laughs> I want to know. I I want to know more about what Jordan is doing to train for these shows. We got a montage. Well, he's somebody a triathlete, I guess. Yeah, somebody described it, but they I don't know if they were uh, exaggerating for effect or not. You know what I mean? Like the thirty. I think he's doing like ultra marathon. So I don't think that as as crazy as what I think it was Veronica. As crazy as what she said sounded. I actually think that's probably what he's really doing. Um, Because, like, ultra marathons or whatever they are are crazy. Yeah. Or ultra triathlons, rather. Yeah, start doing those. He does ultra marathons, not triathlons, but um, it's all, it all sounds insane to me, like running 100 miles and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's doing the 100 miles, but I think he is doing the, like, (laughs) marathon plus a bike and a swim. Which, and again, he's swimming with one hand. Like, come on. He is, he, he is, he's just built different. Like there are, he is a specific kind of athlete and it's not one of the, you know, alleged main sports in this country, but the friggin' guy is a different level of athlete than normal people. He's just remarkable. Yeah. Clear MVP of this episode. And I want to, um, discuss one more aspect of, of his performance, if you will, this week. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that shot of the bouncing bed. I the- feel like, I feel like, you know, between the cursing and this, you know, so we're on streaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, Challenge is ready to push some lines this year. That is the porniest moment in challenge history. I think. Uh, well, you know, I think I might still go with the Abram, Rachel, Veronica threesome in the hot tub. Okay. As this moment, but okay. it's right up there. Yeah. That's, that's, that's we probably, got, we got a shot. We got a shot of that, as well. So, <laughs> yeah. That's that. And that did remind, yeah, that's, that was, that was pretty out there, but that, I mean, 
to see the actual bouncing of the bed in that yeah. way. You that's... know the rhythm at which the act was being performed. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, that, yeah. That, we haven't seen that on, on the MTV version of this show before, I would no, say. No, we have not. And by the way, the whole th- that, that whole relationship is bizarre. It seems very um, sincere. <laughs> but I agree. I don't... I didn't watch – I wasn't really watching the real world proper when those guys were on. So I don't know the extent of their, like, beginnings. You know what I mean? Well, and there there was a thing where people thought he said something racist to her. But she was like, no, that's not what happened. Um, and anyway, I don't know. The whole thing is weird. but And, and it seemed like they were, like, dating when they, when they came in, right? But I guess they weren't. They were just friends, and now clearly, <laughs> yeah. More the show, than that. the show made it seem like they were in a relationship when they showed up, basically yes. in the first couple episodes, and then they were kind of like, "Well, we haven't consummated anything yet." Yeah. Um, so maybe they were saving it for that. I don't know. <laughs> yep, saving it for TV, maybe. Um, I really thought that Naya was the person that should have been thrown in, um, maybe rather than Kendall. Um, and I don't know, you know, I mean, obviously they made a decision before they were the event. Um, certainly if you were trying to get rid of Beth, I think it would have been a better choice. Yeah. Um, well, but mostly because she's really other than Jordan is pretty much alone in this game. Right. So you're not making any enemies by. Yeah, but I don't, I mean, it's Kellyanne and Kendall are a, a twosome that that's not particularly scary. Yeah, I, I'll say this. One the, other. Yeah. Uh, but also, I mean. I think, you know, not knowing the game, you had a better than average chance of sending Beth home with Kendall, didn't you? Yeah, not knowing the game. Look, I I get why they picked Kendall. I think Nia might have been a better choice, but um, in this case, then, definitely because even not knowing the game, certainly once you saw the game, yeah, this game, I, this the producers must have wanted some more Beth on the show, right? Because I can't think of an elimination that was better suited to her than this one. Unless you know they were I mean? just literally like jumping on up and down on a scale. I, I don't know what else could have. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like Beth. I don't, that it's not an insult to Beth. I don't mean anything nasty about her. It's it was just a little Kendall's. Bit a, well, Kendall's a tiny woman. And this, yep. this challenge was largely, although as we saw, not entirely, but largely about body mass. Um. So I, you know, look. I hate Beth. To the point where I'm not even sure it's good TV, because I hate her so much. I honestly don't enjoy watching her. Um. She is the same person as she was, and it's such an obnoxious. I'm trying to be nice act, and she also quit in the very first challenge she showed up for so like i just don't have a lot of patience for it i'm pretty annoyed that she was the replacement um and also pretty annoyed that as you said i like look they always say these things are decided in advance in terms of the elimination but i don't know man it sure seems like they wanted to keep some beth on on the show 
Yeah, and but it also seems like uh, she's going to go nuclear from a drama standpoint next week. Right, so. and that she's going to do some like seriously foul stuff, which like again, it's to, to the point where I'm not even sure it's good TV so much as just distasteful. Yeah. We don't have the whole context, but from what what we saw seemed pretty distasteful. To yeah. Me. So, um, I also uh, I don't want to be full TJ here, but I just don't. I, I don't want to demean people's fear of heights. Obviously, for Darrell, it's very real. Yeah. Um, but I'm not buying it with Beth. She's just a quitter, man. She just doesn't just, care that much. Yeah, and I also don't like you've 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 seen now, right? Like these, those people, none of them went first, right? So right. like everything's fine. They're all you're strapped to something. You have seen yeah. people make this fall. They don't hit the ground or come even particularly close to hitting the ground. Correct. So yeah. like. Chill. I don't know. I don't get it. Just go 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 out there and do the damn puzzle. You know what I mean? Like Naya was afraid of heights. She fell. Sylvia was afraid of heights. She fell and they they were fine. I'm you know? sure there were scary like I'm sure it looked scary up there. I'm sure I would have thought it was scary up there, but I can tell you for sure I would have gone out there and done some easy math. Yeah. Yeah, you got that math was such that you had a pretty good shot of winning, honestly. Um and if you know if you didn't, then uh, you can handle the fall. I, I, that that bugged me. It bugged know? me too, I'm, man. I'm, I'm, more, I'm honestly I'm, I'm more tolerant of quitters I think normally than DJ is. Uh, but I was I I'm over it with all those guys. And I and I do think Darrell, and he kind of ad- admitted as much uh, with the hypnotist bit. Like he does, he needs to level up. It's he's been on the show a long time now. You should you should not be keeping your Achilles heels. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even Leroy learned to swim. That's a great point. I miss Leroy. Congratulations to Cam and Leroy. Congrats, yeah. Yeah. I don't think Leroy's coming back, man. No, I don't think so. Not sure Cam is either. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hope she does. Uh, but I mean, I'm she obviously sure. had some stuff to do and couldn't do it, but uh, hopefully in, in a year or two she'll make it back. I mean, All-Stars yeah. is here for her now. Uh, yes, it sure is. Sure, it sure is. And I, you know, I think she's of the age where she could probably, you know, they they'd let her in for all stars if she wanted. Um, I have one more controversial take. Yeah, I don't hate MJ's braids. I have nothing to say about that. <laughs> like, shouldn't work, but I feel like it kind of does. I mean, I'll say this: it's it's an established look for him at this point. Yes, yes. Well, and I feel like it's real bonding with him and John A. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, and uh, you know, that's a beautiful partnership as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens next week. Um, I agree, too. I don't, like, I, you know, for the record, I do not think that there's anything sexual happening between them at all. No, it doesn't seem but that I way do, to me. I do appreciate, like, John A is like, it, it's almost like a, a, a mama bear vibe. With MJ, like she gets so mad when people like throw throw a sabotage at him or want to like put him into something. Like I really like, I really like how protective she is of him. I, I like I, it too. They really, they took their partnership to heart, both of them. Yep, for sure, for sure. Um, all right, Any, you have anything else to add about the challenge? You want to move on to Top Chef? We got to go to Top Chef because there's a lot to say about this. It was, I thought it was a spectacular episode. I thought it was heartbreaking in some ways incredibly like inspiring and in others i just this is a real emotional roller coaster for me and i loved it uh even though my best guy 
uh, Damar had to say goodbye. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's quite as predictable as last week, but I did feel like he had the weakest overall performance. You know, what I, I mean? thought it was as predictable as last week, only because, you know, they came up. They always come up with some criticisms for a lot for at least something everyone did at judges table um, when they were actually eating. The only dish anyone had anything negative to say about was Demar's main course, and yeah. he just. And we knew this. We knew this. It, the same thing effectively happened to Nick. It's been several weeks now that every single one of these people is more than good enough to win a Top Chef season. And they're all so good that if anyone has the slightest bit of a hiccup, that could be the week you go home. And I think Sarah is part of that now because she has clearly harnessed whatever got her through Last Chance Kitchen into what she's doing in the main competition. She has consistently knocked every dish out of the park for two weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel some vindication because I, every single person I've talked to about the show, including you, you know, when, when you get to the who you got, the answer is always Buddha. It's always Buddha. And I completely understand that. <laughs> completely understand that. But I keep saying to people, that you just can't you cannot dismiss Evelyn and that she a is really soulful is really creative is really consistent and on her day she's very capable of beating him and i feel like this episode was another example of where buddha put out a great beautiful classic buddha plate of food that was easily good enough to win and she just outcooked him you know and and not saying that's going to happen in the final, but it definitely could. I, I, ag I agree with that. I think clearly Sarah is third in the odds. And I think if these odds were up in Vegas, I would bet on her. Because I could say the exact same thing of her right now. So to me, everything you said is true. Everything you said is also true of Sarah. But also, I think pretty clearly if you had to rank them in order right now, of most likely to win, it would be Buddha, then Evelyn, then Sarah. Yeah, I, I think that's correct. I yeah. think I would, I, I would if, if, if the Vegas odds are available, they probably are somewhere. I should look this up. Um, I, would, I would bet on Evelyn at this point. Okay, yeah, and I think I would bet on Sarah because I like a long shot. But, <laughs> but I think what we have clearly seen over the last three weeks in particular is that if Sarah or Evelyn does their best work, they're more than capable of beating the others. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, and I think in particular, the sweet spot Sarah has found right now where she is doing, what she's essentially doing is transposing her own, her own style and, and ingredients and flavors onto the things they are learning and what she is cranking out is incredibly high level and also incredibly creative and out of the ordinary because her home style is so different from what they are doing. Um, and I think that is a sweet spot that that's like, you know, if you have a, a movie about movies at the Oscars, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they love that stuff. 
the the way they reacted to the to both the the sort of pastrami sandwich fish and the sort of um venison take on the um you know uh mexican jerky like that's that that is that is crack to top chef judges uh so i think she's in a really good spot for someone yep. who is also clearly the long shot uh, heading into this final and also like I, I mean, are, I think the land dish was, was cracked to Chris and Kish. That was pretty <laughs> incredible, too, to have someone say, I hate lamb, and this is the best thing I've ever tasted. Um, <laughs> Did you see the look on Sarah's face when she said, I yes, hate lamb? Yes, all the looks. <laughs> she literally said, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad Sarah is here just for the deadpan comedy that she is providing, because uh, I think she's kind of brilliant from a comedic perspective. But... Yeah, I think that's a really good sweet spot to be in heading into a final. And also, I think just as a as as consumers of Top Chef, from a stylistic and sort of chef profile perspective, the ways in which these three chefs are utterly different is going to make for a spectacular final and probably one that's very difficult to judge. Because you've got Buddha, who's sort of your classic you know, science genius chef, but also capable of delivering incredibly simple stuff with beautiful flavors, right? Yeah, well, you, and his, I think his food is artistic as well as scientific, if that makes all sense. That, you know? Yes, all, all that, you know, high-level futuristic chef stuff. Evelyn is like this, you know, chef from the soul who just is in her almost home environment with, with the style of cooking they're doing, but creative enough to to do the really exciting stuff while still having that like soul flavor essentially right and then sarah is kind of the fish out of water who's bringing her own unique perspective to everything they're doing they're three entirely different chefs coming at it from entirely different perspectives and all three doing unbelievable stuff i think it's going to be an incredible final yeah, well, and it seems like there's a wrinkle here, right, in that Buddha has a, a relationship with uh, the finale's guest judge, uh, Eric Repair. So uh, I'm gonna I'm wondering how that's gonna factor in. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Uh, to all of us. So um, uh, my guess is that's gonna favor Buddha, and not in a and that's not in I'm not trying to cast Eric Repair. Just it it seems in the past where Buddha has emulated a chef's dish, he's kind of like crushed it. So. Yeah. Uh, I think it plays well to him. That's kind of what I mean by that. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think, you know, in many ways, all of the things about Top Chef play well to a chef of Buddha's particular true. talents. I, what hasn't he crushed at this point? Yeah, right? so, yeah, um, yeah. And, yeah. And and honestly, like you said, it, it we should say the same of Evelyn. And the way Sarah is cooking right now, I'm not so sure she's far off that. So it's just, it, it really, this is as... I said at the beginning of this last episode, when Damar was still there, you know, just sitting with my wife, like, I would just, I'll be thrilled for whoever wins this. I'm just so excited that this was the final group. And as bummed as I am that, again, my favorite, Damar, is gone, I would be pretty much equally thrilled for anyone to win this, and I think they all deserve it, you know? Yeah, you know, like the the nature of the show is such that you know what the reaction is going to be from the finale, even if you don't know the winner, right? Like, 
everyone is going to feel like that person really deserved it. And everyone is also going to be really sad for the people that don't win, yep. you know? And, and I feel like, you know, just sort of the group hug at the, at the center of that elimination, just trying to it just spoke volumes, you know, yeah. people are crying and hugging because they, they genuinely like and respect everyone else on the show. And, um, and, and there's those guys, I think have really bonded through this experience and, uh, it's just been it's been a joy to watch. It's yeah. been a joy to watch. I'm sad that there's only one more. What a great season of Top Chef. Um, yeah, yeah, it's been it's been fantastic. Uh, all right, so I think that pretty much covers it. Do you want do you want to talk at all about the uh, the upcoming NBA Finals? Sure. I mean, I think we know who's in it at this point. <laughs> wow, you're just bur- you're burying the Miami Heat. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm here to bury the Miami Heat. Let's you know all I mean? I'll dig a ditch. I'll caveat with that saying, unless there has been a remarkable health recovery in that team in the last 24 hours. Yeah, um, I just – Jimmy Butler has not been the same guy. Kyle Lowry is literally hurting you, uh, and that's not where they can be if they were going to be a finals team. But yeah, honestly – Yeah, Tyler Hero is the other kind of – the other ingredient that would potentially be able to make that offense go. Like they yeah, just yeah, don't too. have – it's, you know what I mean? It's it's a bummer. Um, it happens every year, but it's a bummer. And and I would say in general, the way with all the talent that this league has right now, in many ways, the way the playoffs played out from a talent perspective was disappointing. Well, it's certainly disappointing from a uh, wanting exciting competitive games perspective. Yeah. Yes. That being said, I think we have a very intriguing finals. I, I, I am a little worried that we could ha- it could be intriguing in the way that some of the other Celtics series have been intriguing, which is to say no good games but a long series. Um, well, I'm heartened by the fact that the last few years these teams have played a lot of good games. Right? That's these two true. Teams have played a lot of good games. They, so and I something there in this as well. Um, you know, if it's going to be as defensive a series as I expect it to be, slightly lower scoring games suggests more competitive games, right? Um, I think both of these teams have done a good job of forcing the opposition into threes they don't love and thereby don't make. Uh, So, you know, I hope that this... Instead of just becoming a missed three fest, this this series is more of a grinded out, uh, you know, who can run offense against a really tough D better. And we'll see. Yeah, um, yeah fascinating so the, of the Warriors championship medal, I think, because I, I, I think Boston has some advantages in terms of their size and uh, versatility defensively. Um, I guess. But the way Kavon Looney is playing, I don't know. I don't know that it matters. Who is the size that's going to hurt the Warriors? Uh, Horford and Williams, I think, are the size that are – Horford and both Williamses, <laughs> I think. Are, um, uh, but, yeah, but Grant Williams uh, isn't tall. You know, he's just a – he's a bull. Um, so it's it's really Robert – the, the thing yeah. – if you're a Warriors fan to me, the thing you need to be most concerned about is Robert Williams in the paint on defense because – when the threes are not falling, and that has not been totally infrequent for the Warriors, they have 
counted on guys like Curry and Poole in particular. But, you know, if he's back, also Gary Payton and Otto Porter and Kevon Looney doing damage on the inside, uh, whether via uh, offense. I did see something say that, that Payton is going to play, by the way. Or that yeah. they, they paid him to play. They hope so. They certainly hope that he will play. Um, yeah, hope he has he has started practicing. On track is the high, is the headline. Um, um, that's good. So, uh, uh, but again, like if Robert Williams can limit the effectiveness of those generally smaller guys on offense interior, that is going to be a pretty big factor. Um, but how much can you play Robert Williams? You know, are you playing him with Al Horford against the team that will try to run that off the floor? Uh, it's well, going to be a fascinating thing, series. They they have they you know it's not just size in the paint; it's they have size in the perimeter too, right? You know, what I mean, like Brown, Tatum, Smart are big dudes for you know guards. So, um, you know, it's I don't know. I, there's also a world in which the Celtics just don't score enough points. You know, and I hate to say you know bring out make or miss league again, but that's kind of what this playoffs has been, right? So yeah, and but there I are mean, games where the Celtics just don't shoot. They just don't shoot very well. That's true, but I think it's going to be a lot more about the Celtics' defense against the Warriors' offense than anything else. Yeah, we'll see. Although, again, if the Celtics aren't making shots, that's another thing, right? That also feeds the Warriors' offense, right? Because you're getting a lot of Correct. long rebounds in addition. So. And I'm and look, I'm going back and forth from a you know how do how would I objectively try to pick this standpoint. But I'll say it's hard for me to wrap my head around the idea of in a series that I feel like has the potential to go either way pretty clearly. Uh, I just trust the Warriors championship character so much. I just think it's been validated again and again what they do in the biggest moments that it's going to be hard for me to pick against them. Yeah, well, and and Boston uh... – hasn't played in a lot of uh, uh, close games, you know, latent situations. Yep. Um, but when they have, they've been bad. So, so it would be interesting to see if that. Uh, yeah, I mean, the trick is yeah. most of that bad happened at the beginning of the season when they were playing bad altogether. So it's there's just not a lot of data to work with. Uh, yep. But but certainly you are right that the data there is available to work with uh does not favor their performance in close games down the stretch yeah well and uh you know it'd be interesting to see uh, i believe the stat is in the last 21 nba playoff games uh the last 21 playoff games have produced a close total of seven minutes of clutch situations yeah i think that was before the last two games that I heard that, but I don't think there's been any in the last. Yeah, two there were games, none in the so. last. I was just the last two games in because there were none. So <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's really been a bummer in a lot of ways, especially because a lot of this was teams we wanted to see. I will say, the Suns falling apart ruined it a bit. Yeah, because um, sure because the thing about Dallas. And look, there are people who are using these series to like diminish the NBA, which I just think is so stupid. Because if you watch this league with any consistency, I think you realize that there are more good teams and more good players than ever before. Literally ever before. That being said, these four teams as a whole are probably the worst four teams to be the conference finalists in a while. Maybe like 
10 or 15 years. Yeah, but I think it's going to go more this way because the talent is is being distributed. Well, that's the thing. I think there are less – there are going to be less truly spectacular all-time great teams because the league has worked to spread talent around to all the teams. And I think in general, that's of a huge benefit. Um, But it does – I do I do understand the emotion that some people are feeling that like Dallas this Dallas team with Luka and Jalen Brunson as the two best players is that really a conference finalist level squad and I think the answer is probably not and that's why it was a gentleman's sweep. Yeah. Um I, I mean I, I can't really argue with that. Although But if I, Phoenix was if, there with all that talent playing well, I think we'd have a very different conversation. Well, if they were there playing well. If, but what if they were there and they played like they did against Dallas? You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, then for then for three or four so games, it would have been a great series. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I do think it's worth shouting out Clay Thompson, who, if you think about it, has now made six consecutive NBA Finals. Correct. Um, uh, which is, is LeBron-like stuff. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, it sounds that way, but what it really is is it's it's the trio. I don't think. I look, nobody loves Clay more than me. I'm happy to give him all the credit. But I think if we're trying to be honest about NBA history, what we have is a trio that works so well together and understands how to pull the rope the same direction so well that, yes, they have, when together, gone to six straight NBA finals. And I don't think this would have happened without any one of them. You know what I mean? I don't think any one of the three of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green are replaceable. Yeah, sorry. And I was not trying to give sole credit. And I, obviously, I think that if, you know, Clay had been healthy and Steph had been hurt the last two years, then I don't, I don't think the outcomes, you know what I mean? I don't think the Warriors would have been in the finals. Um, or, or Draymond, any of those guys. Like, they, you know, it's the team. And obviously, there was a fourth guy in, in for two of those in there. So Yeah, um, and look, you know, you can make the argument, and and I probably would. Uh, I'm guessing. Well, though, we'll see what happens. But it probably will be consensus by the end of their careers that, uh, you know, the fourth guy was the best of them all. But the best guys don't win all the titles. That it's not that straightforward, right? And there there is something special about a three man combo that just has the championship DNA in the same way that Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time by my money. And, and I, it's going to be really tough to change my mind on that for a lot of reasons, but the championship DNA was the duo. You know, it wasn't just Michael. And when it was just Michael, they weren't champions. It was Michael and Scotty together they were just going to go to the finals and win it every single time. You could not stop them. Like, it was inevitable. And that's, Except that one time Orlando got him. No one ever talks about it anymore. That, that, um, does, that doesn't count. That wasn't really much. That was 45. <laughs> <clears throat> no, we can talk about it, but that's a different player. They had 45 in Pippen. It's a different thing. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, What's well, name again? <laughs> it might have been minor. I'm not even sure. Um, but they uh, <laughs> that's what this trio is. The same way Kobe and Shaq were, right? 
Shaq by himself could win. Kobe by himself could win with the right pieces around him. But Kobe and Shaq together, when they when they were, you know, like that to me, there are those championship groups. Duncan, Parker, and, and uh, Ginobili, right? That yeah. just, they have the championship DNA. And it, they look, they didn't make the finals it, every year they were together. That, you know, the Isaiah Dumars, exactly. uh, Lambeer group. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah. yeah, magic and worthy. And, uh, you know, like you have these groups of dudes throughout history, Bird and McHale and Parrish, that, that just, they were just, they were champions. And when you got them together, you had better than, better than good odds that they were going to be in the finals. Yeah. Well, and look, with Boston being a little bit more shaky in late game situations, it's, it, you know. Um, it feels relevant. Yeah, it does. It does. You're right. It feels relevant is a great way to put it. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what happens, um, it, even if I'm not totally looking forward to watching Boston win tonight. Um, <laughs> you don't have to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I probably will. Give me permission to skip it. Okay. I mean, look, uh, turn it on, and if Miami has like two field goals seven minutes in, just forget it. Yeah, it I mean, it's not other. impossible that Jimmy Butler pulls it out of the bag, right? Yeah, at least for one night. Yeah, it's not impossible. Not impossible that he's going to show up and compete for sure. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's get out of here. We should we should do homework. Yeah, we got to do it. Uh, we're going to keep it relatively light again this week. Uh, we are going to do a show called Mystic Time Bird. It's a uh, which it's is a stand up special. Uh, technically speaking, okay. it's it's Reese Darby of Flight of the Concords and uh, various other film work. Um. He's quite funny, and it seems to be a bizarre stand-up special type thing on Amazon Prime. Uh, and we will keep that New Zealand thing going uh, with Our Flag Means Death, uh, which is yeah. a, a type TD-associated show, I believe. Yes, and I think, uh, we'll, I think we will probably that. see Reese Darby there as well. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the big Obi-Wan Kenobi show uh, that uh, uh, debuted on Disney Plus last night. So, well, uh, yeah, which, I guess today was the debut technically, so it, it popped at midnight last night. But I've yet to, I've yet to consume, and I am excited. Yeah, so we'll we'll take that on this week as well, uh, and then of course more Top Chef, one more time, and the uh, challenge. One more time for Top Chef. One time for Top Chef, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> pour one out. Um, all right, man. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The lights out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.